0: I've been for a number of weeks in the overall topic of holiness. And I'm going to conclude today at a place where holiness should leave us. Now, I want to be clear. One place that holiness should not leave us is to make us snubs, Looking at other people and saying, you know what? You're not as holy as you should be. I'm talking about other people. That would never be true of anybody here. When we began talking about holiness, we talked about how it begins with a reverence for his name, that his name is something sacred, something special, something whole, something perfect to us, unlike in our culture where his name seems to be at best a swear word and at worst ignored completely. Then we talked about the following week and what it means to us personally, how the holiness of God impacts us directly as individuals. When we looked at Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, oddly in a state in his land that is similar to what's going on in Haiti right now, because he saw the the Lord high and lifted up in the year the king died. And then last week, we talked about the impact of holiness as you and I as his people, as faithful Christians, pursue holiness and pursue to live right and do the best we can to be the best we can, how it's going to impact others, and not always in a positive way. Because people don't, when they're not living right, don't like it that you are living right. And so I encouraged everyone when the holiness that you're pursuing bothers other people, let it, let it bother them, because we're not going to turn back from God's ways simply because other people aren't comfortable with God's ways. The goal has been to reaffirm the idea overall that holiness is important to God. Why? Because God is holy. And so we know that it is important to the Lord because there are so many benefits and so many blessings to a holy life. When we live God's ways, there's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a a freedom from the bondage that's in this world. But perhaps the greatest benefit, the greatest blessing, I'm going to make the case for today of pursuing holiness as the scriptures teach is seeing him pastor what do you mean by seeing him so glad you asked Hebrews chapter 12 I'll begin reading in verse number 3 for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners and against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls you have Not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have all had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Somebody say amen. (laughs) But painful nevertheless. Anyone ever had their kid as you're punishing them, say thank you? Didn't think so. But painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down in the, and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may be not dislocated but rather be healed. And here's the verse I want to focus on today. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up Springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Seeing God. I want to be clear today, the seeing here that I'm focusing on is not specifically you having a visual encounter with the Lord. Now, people have, that's great, but that's not my focus. The seeing here I'm talking about is that we are you and I getting to a place in our walk with the Lord, in our pursuit of his ways and his truths and following in his paths, that the seeing become a deeper understanding of who God is. Seeing him work more in our lives. Is there anybody here who'd like to see the hand of God move in their lives more than it does today? Seeing his presence and understanding that his presence truly walks with you each and every day the writer to the Hebrews links seeing him, seeing God with two principles, pursuing peace with all people and pursuing holiness with all people and concludes that be, that without these pursuits, seeing him isn't going to happen. Is there any group of people anywhere on this planet who should embrace that everything that's related to God is holy more than Christians everyone's going to have their own concept about God and about what many won't even use the, word, the, the name God they'll say a divine presence and they're going to link it to benefits and blessings and peace we need as God's people as Christians to start that he is holy so many Christians that I encounter and that ask me different questions, or come for counsel, are living such a powerless life, they, and they're trying to figure out why they don't sense the power of God moving in their midst. Many have just resisted, if not just grasped, the idea that everything that's connected to God is connected to holiness. Because God is holy. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 3 says, The name of God is holy. Holy. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 2 says, There is none as holy as God in all the land. Psalm 145, verse 17 says, The Lord is holy in all his works. Psalm 98, verse 1 says, The arm of the Lord is holy. Deuteronomy 26, verse 15 says, The place where the Lord lives is a holy habitation. Psalm 105, verse 42 says, calls the promise that God gave to Abraham a holy promise. Is someone getting the common thread here? Our God is holy. Everything connected with him, everything he does in your life, everything he does in my life, everything he speaks to his people is holy. It's pure. It's whole. It's perfect. And for anyone who errantly thinks... Well, Pastor, all those verses you read from the Old Testament, we don't follow that anymore. If that's how you look at the word of God called the Old Testament, we'll talk later. Because you're wrong. But for anyone who does think that errant way, Romans chapter 7 verse 12 says that God's law is holy. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 5 says that he called holy apostles. Romans chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 says the scriptures are holy. Luke chapter 4 even comments that the devil called Jesus the holy one of God. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The topic of holiness is a biblical topic from page one to the last page. And it's not just about an effort to control people's behaviors. It needs to be the primary way we understand our relationship with God. Our relationship with the master is holy. If we look at the tabernacle within the book of Leviticus, the two primary compartments in the tabernacle were called the holy place and the most holy place. The priest's garments were called holy. The offering was called holy. The various vessels that were used were called holy. The oil was called holy. Everything that touches God, everything that connects to God becomes holy. The various feast days that Israel celebrated were called holy days. That's where we get in our language the term holiday. As Christians, we need to truly embrace how sacred, how holy our walk with the Lord both is and needs to be as we grow in him. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We have been made by giving our hearts to Jesus, a holy nation, so that we may proclaim his praises. Has God been good to you? Man, that was weak. Has God been good to you? Has he rescued you from the evil one? Has he brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light? Then you are a holy nation. Then giving him praise is not just a natural, and I would add wise response, but giving him praise is an act of holiness. To not sing his praises would be an act of unholiness. verse i'm sure most of you know romans chapter 12 verse number one i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your body as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to god which is your reasonable service now i want to bring out two points in verse in verse one of chapter 12 in the book of romans i beseech you literally means i urge you i beg you giving us the impression this is serious. Our being acceptable to God is not just about our accomplishments. Our being acceptable to God is not just about how right by our own personal measurement and standard we live. Our being acceptable to God is not just how we can get how many other Christians to pat us on the back and give us a good word. Our being acceptable to God is not by having perfect Sunday attendance. Although I would encourage you, please come on Sundays. Our being acceptable to God is how we embrace the principle of being a sacrifice. Being completely and totally committed, totally sold out, every moment of every day. Then, and only then, do we become a sacrifice that is holy. The second point, which is your reasonable service. You see, the world's going to look at the life that you and I lead and live. The world's going to look at the sacrifices and the commitments that manifest themselves in various things we do and various things we don't do. And they're going to say, "You're out of your mind." You spend how much time in church a week? You pray? What's that book you're reading? The Bible? The world's not going to look at this as sane. But Paul tells the churches at Rome that it's reasonable, it's rational, it makes sense. They may not understand why you're so committed to the Lord. They may not understand why you and I constantly read this book called the Bible. They may not understand why it just seems you're always in church. What is it with church anyway? They may not understand why you don't find the same things you used to find fun, fun anymore. They may not understand how you seem to have a peace in the midst of life's storms. Yes, when life rises up and the storms rail, we hurt. There is pain. Pain is not removed from our lives because we become a Christian anybody tells you coming to christ is going to remove all the pain all the challenges please call them a liar because that's not what being a christian is about it's having a strength that i can be an overcomer god calls us more than a conqueror which means there will be things to overcome and things to conquer to a world our faith our commitment doesn't make sense But I want to encourage you today. It's reasonable. It's sensible. And I would say it's the best way of life. Without any question. Over the years in various situations and circles I've ever been in, when a bunch of people would say, let's go do this, and I said, no, I'm just not into that. But we're going to have so much fun, you're going to miss out. And I assure them, no, I won't. I won't be missing anything. And not that the only measurement or demonstration of the fun that they're having is is excessive consumption of alcohol. But it usually does involve excessive consumption of alcohol. So my comment has always been, you go and have your fun, and to prove that you had so much fun, tell me about it the next day. And no one can remember it, so I usually rest my case at that point. We want to live God's way. Back in the year 2000, God uh, brought me on a missions trip to the Republic of Indonesia. I spent three weeks there. I had a blast. And God moved in my life and moved through me in the lives of our Indonesian brothers and sisters. And this November, 21 years later, I can say I still remember it. I remember every sermon. I remember every friendship. I remember every encounter. That's what God does in your life and in mine. We want to see God. We want to see him move in our lives. We want to see him move in our church. We want to see his hand in our daily journey. We want to sense him in every breath that we take. Now, this next statement may seem overly profound, The world around us is a mess. Can I get an amen on that? It's a mess. But if we focus only on the mess, it's really hard to focus and see Jesus. We shouldn't be blind to the pain and the mess and what passes for reason and what passes for logic and what passes for right and wrong around us. But the answer for all this error and strife is for God's people to see Jesus in all of his holiness. It's for God's people to live in peace with unpeaceable people. Did you ever have someone in your life that was just not friendly? That you try to be nice... And the nicer you try to be, the meaner they become. Don't look around at anybody, please. In fact, the more you try and be nice to them, it seems your niceness has become an irritation for them. But that's what we're called to do. Irritate, yes. That didn't sound that way when I was putting the message together, but we're called to be nice. You know, I always count on my church to check me on these things. For God's people, we're called to live in love, even with unlovely people. Any unlovely people in your life? For God's people, we're called to pursue his truths, and his ways, and his standards, not the nonsense that passes for right today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8, starting there. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct, in righteousness, and, and, and godliness, and now, for those who've been here with me since I became pastor, you've probably learned I'm not a doomsday preacher. Uh, it's just not how God crafted me. Yet, without hesitation, I believe with all my heart the Lord could come back at any moment. In fact, things happen, especially in the last year, that I've been uttering the scripture verse even so, Lord, come quickly. but the reality of his return should have an impact. As we see that day approaching and we sense that day is drawing closer to being with him, closer to a holy God, it's gonna impact us. Not just in our devotion to him, that should be something that's constantly progressing anyway. And not just in our being, our, lack of, our increasing lack of being tied to this world, as I see the day approaching, the list of things that qualifies as petty should grow. Hmm. It amazes me what people will go to battle over today. Oh, excuse me. That parking spot is mine. Hmm. No, no, I think this is mine. All of a sudden, out come firearms and and all kinds, well, we're going to have to fight over this. No, we're not. The list of things that truly qualifies as petty should grow as we see the day of the Lord, which is important, approaching. The list of things that just really don't matter should grow as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Now, those were easy to say amen to. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to meddling, sorry. As we see the day approaching, the list of things that can get us angry should grow smaller. I expected quiet. As we see the day approaching, the list of things that get under our skin should get smaller. Because that, what the pursuit of holiness does. it focuses us on what really matters and gives us the ability to see what really doesn't. It really doesn't. Now like many of you with my job, my secular job, I've been working from home for the past 16 months. I have totally enjoyed it. I do not miss New York City one bit. It's, but it's the greatest city in the world. Yes, it is, and it's even great from a distance. (laughs) Beyond the fee, the monthly fee of the Long Island Railroad and a monthly fee of the subways, I haven't missed any of it. But as things are beginning to open up, we're beginning to get word that sometime after Labor Day, I will get to be reunited with the beloved city of New York And talking to some of the guys at work, they're really bummed by this. But, you know, I'm not going to let something that's going to happen transitionally in September ruin the joy that I can have in July. And ultimately, if I have to go back into the city on an everyday basis, the grace he gave me for the past 30 years of going into Manhattan will still be there for however long I have to go back into Manhattan. Because his grace is greater than anything you and I can go through. And that's what living a holy life does. It not just in, takes us in a different direction as far as our behaviors. It focuses our attention on what really matters. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to push. Well, maybe I can go back into the city a couple days a week, rather than full-time. But ultimately, if my employer says, we want you here every day, I will be there. And I will be there like I was there back in February of 2020 with a smile on my face and Jesus in my heart. Will it at times make me grumpy? You bet it will, (laughs) because I'm human. But focus isn't about what comes naturally. It's about what we determine. And I am determined to see God. I am determined to see his hand move in my life. I am determined to see his power move in our midst. I am determined to see what his grace can bring me through. Now, in the natural We would rather not need the grace to do unpleasant things. Lord, just remove the unpleasant things to begin with. But you're all here on planet Earth. So that's how things work here on planet Earth. That's why we need his grace. That's why we need to see him in everything. Who knows, there may be somebody I need to connect with as I go back into Manhattan. There may need to be something he wants me to do that I can't do from my home office in Central Iceland. That's the focus of attention we all need. Nobody wants to go through unpleasant uh, times. No one wants to face challenges. But in his holiness, we understand that, you know what, the day is approaching where he's going to wipe away every tear where he's going to split the skies, where he's going to take his people home, and forever we will be with the Lord. That's a glorious day. You know, that is such a wonderful day. I can put up with the subways of New York City. I can deal with the Long Island Railroad that claims to be always on or close to schedule. They lie. They lie so much. Or their idea of close to schedule? Close is a very different idea than mine. Two hours later is not close. That people of God is pursuing holiness. It changes our attitude. It's not just about the behavior. That's part of it. But it changes our outlook. And with all this attention on holiness then I can position myself best, best to see him. And I don't know about you, I need to see him every day. I need to see him every day. I don't want to look at this world every day and only see this world. I don't want to look at the nonsense and the political infighting and all the things that qualify as non-civil discourse today. I want to see Jesus I don't want to only see how far from biblical principles many in the church have fallen. I want to see Jesus because that will keep me focused because I see a day approaching. How about you? Stand with me, please.